Welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single pass-close deal, how it played out that way, and provide hopefully some actionable sales tips from the front lines right to your ears that you can use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollum, full cycle account executive, turn content guy, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Junior Latte, the sales meme master here at Pickle. June, what's up, man? Episode 20 sells me, Master. I, feel, I, I send ideas to you. You deliver the memes. So it's less of that and more of you. But if you look at my linked, LinkedIn about section, it's pretty simple. It says sports to sales, applying the field of sports to the discipline of sales, something I'm super passionate about. And today we are going to tap into that. So I'm excited. For those that have not joined us before or maybe haven't listened in a while, a quick explainer for how the show works. Each conversation, we chat through a past deal. We want to leave out all names, places, try to keep them anonymized or as much as possible. And that way we can dive a lot deeper. From the first time a prospect was stumbled upon either via LinkedIn on a list, an inbound lead, or you know, anywhere else that you might find some of these, uh, these, these opportunities, all the way to the closed one, the final signature and kicking off implementation. Our guest today is Josh Patino. This is a major throwback for me because I played soccer with Josh back at BYU. He is an all-star for the past like 10 years. He's been coaching the Gonzaga women's soccer team and has recently made the jump to professional selling. So like I said, a lot to be sell, said about sports and sales. Uh, Josh, what do you do in your role today and what problems does Funnel solve? Yeah, Junior, uh, first of all, great to be on with you. It's fun to have an old teammate and, and chat with you again. It's been, it's been way too long, uh, but this is awesome. Uh, so now I am a RVP and I've been selling for about 21 months. Uh, made the jump from college coaching to uh, prop tech sales and funnel. Funnel leasing is a renter management software for multifamily owners and operators. And the, the major problem we solve today is in the customer journey and the customer experience. Today, the industry is so focused on the property, it's property centric. And funnel is all about the renter being renter centric and customizing this experience to the renter. Josh, what deal are you walking us through today? Yeah, so today I want to actually walk through my, my very first deal. As I mentioned, I've only been doing this for 21 months, and it took me seven months to the day to close my first deal. And so that one sticks with me. It's close to home, and I've learned the most through that. What are uh, like some of the specs? We know you're selling into multifamily here. You keep saying prop tech, which I'm assuming is like property technology. It's renter centric. A anything more about the deal you want to talk about? Yes. We go by unit count or properties that a property management company has. And so if you think about anywhere that you've rented and anybody listening, you think about if you're renting today, that community is owned by a property management company and they have several communities. Some are smaller, some are larger. In, in this case, this was a mid-market deal 
about 130,000 in ARR, ACV value, but then also in ARR. And for me, I had spent a ton of time just trying to figure out the industry. I felt like I jumped jumped into two industries, sales and then multifamily, and I knew nothing about either one. And so I really had to kind of identify who is the ICP and what is an ICP? What does that even stand for? So I really had to dig deep. But in, in this particular deal, I, the stakeholders that I worked very closely with were the VP of marketing and the VP of, of technology. Again, the, the best part about this deal is I had spent four months trying to get my feet wet, trying to outbound, trying to pro- prospect. I didn't walk into a pipeline. I didn't walk into jumping on deals and being part of a sales cycle at Funnel. And so I just had to learn all of that. And in this deal is where it all became real for me. Everything that was theory and everything that everyone was telling me became real for me once I started uh, with this deal. I love that you say you're walking into two industries, right? The sales world, which is a beast of its own. And then the technology specifically for you, property management software, which is totally different, right? From the soccer field. We got to talk about this deal. It's your first, you know, how did you find out about this company and what research did you conduct to ensure that this first deal you close is as smooth as possible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so as I mentioned, I wasn't walking into any pipeline. So I, my VP of sales was trying to train me and I was looking to figure out how to outbound and how to outreach and how to prospect and college coaches are not on LinkedIn. So this is like <laughs> a big social media shift. If you go back and look at my profile, like it's hardly anything is posted before December, 2020, but I found that that was a good medium to to start. So I would go through and prospect management companies based on unit count or based on their asset class or owner type. And I got nothing. I really got nothing back uh, being so early on. And uh, by the grace of the sales gods, I got an inbound lead, which was incredible. Like it was the biggest blessing at the time. And I was questioning do I, am I just so bad at sales? Like, how am I going to provide for my family? So that was like uh, the olive branch, if you will, and uh, kind of helped me get going. So once they inbounded, it was the VP of marketing. They had put some information on the inbound form about their technology stack, why they're reaching out, uh, what are they most interested in? And I responded as quick as I could just to get a meeting booked. In the meantime, I immediately went through LinkedIn to start researching the company. I immediately started going to their website. I looked at the individuals. I started creating a Google Doc with as much information as I could to just get to even know this company. And fortunately, one of the biggest things about not having a pipeline is I could give 110% to this specific deal. I'm going to come back to all this research chunks in just a second, but I think something that you said is really powerful, especially when there's alignment between sales and marketing, because this inbound specifically filled out some information. It wasn't just, here's my name, here's my number, here's my email, but there's like aspects in this form that they have to fill that pertain to the leasing, to the funnel product. Right. So that alone gives you something to work off of. So today, if you're getting inbound leads and it's just, you know, a name, a number and uh, asking you to reach out, maybe work with your marketing team and try to figure out like what information could have some appeal here to actually make 
the inbound process easier for the salesperson to reach out. But that aside, I love the the research that you're doing here. Like you, you know who has reached out, you know a few aspects about what they think may be appealing. So now you're going through the website and you're trying to find what what here can I use to then have a better experience in reaching out. Not knowing the industry well enough. And now, now I can confidently say that no two property management companies operate the same. And so I had to learn what this particular property management company was doing and found out that they develop from the ground up. So they'll buy the dirt, they'll put the plans in place, they'll start building the first phase of communities, and then they continue to build on. Since I had so much time, I focused in on, I dove into their mission and what is their culture? And they had a they have a page for uh, my company and has all their people. And so I got to click around and look at and read their stories. And I found out that the mother that owns it and there's a, the principals are her children. And then it just, it was so deep. I found out about their relationships, that they have dogs. I went and found articles about them that they had been uh, a part of before that spoke specifically about this company and how they're advancing. So I got to find these little tidbits that armed me with a little bit of credibility. At least I could speak a little bit to their business. And this was all pre-discovery. So I just put my little um, Google doc, doc together. The other research that I did was knowing that Funnel is a renter management software. I secret shopped these communities and went through the experience myself. If I was renting at this community, what was that? what would that be like for me? And again, just gave me confidence as well as I'm talking to them that I know what their experience is like. You mentioned secret shop or, you know, I'm sure there's other various terms throughout the industry and maybe others, but curious as somebody that's outside looking in here from the, the property management world, is that a common tactic to go to an actual physical location and act as if you're, you're interested in renting an apartment, which hell you might've been uh, if they're nice <laughs> enough, but at the same time, like. Is that normal or what does that look like in terms of uh, time, effort, and energy? Yeah, good question. I'm not sure if it is common. I, I think the time that it can consume is is a lot. And I, I did a couple things. I would call communities and then just say, hey, I'm new to the industry. would love to know, what is your role? What do you do? And there's one right around the corner from where I live. So I would just go over there. Um, and it didn't go anywhere uh, as planned uh, as I thought it would. Uh, and they were very close <laughs> off. But just even on the website, they have contact us forms or you can interact with a chat bot. You get to interact with their website, which is really today is everything that our consumers are looking at. It's it's on their phone or they're looking at apartments at night. And so it's just no one's in the office. They can't really call anywhere. It's going to be through a contact us form or a chat bot um, or some sort of AI assistant. So that was a good way for me to just learn about the industry as well. But also when I reached out, would I get a call back from them or was it all strictly email? Were they auto responders or was it personalized uh, to me? So I got to learn a lot about their company. And so later in the discovery, when they told me their pain, I could ask some deeper questions, but I don't think it's common uh, to do that just purely because of the time it takes. I could see Junior, you know, hopping through, uh, you know, trying to do some some secret shopping at like a SaaS company, just walking in as like a janitor or something like that, um, <laughs> just trying just trying to figure this out. But um, you had this inbound lead come in, the grace of the sales gods. Ultimately, there's some kind of message that has to happen, or some kind of way to set that meeting 
curious, what was like this, the specific or specific approach you take uh, when it comes to those inbound leads? You're obviously doing a ton of research after they come in, but you know, in that moment, how did you set the meeting? Yeah, I, I try to keep it pretty quick. The, the speed to respond, I wanted to respond right away. And uh, transparently, I was really excited. Like I thought this was, uh, this could be the one uh, and I didn't want, want it to get away. And so I just sent an email. Thanks so much for your interest in Funnel. Uh, it sounds like, or looks like you're interested in an X pl- uh, product. In this case, I think it was CRM and then AI. And the next thing is I'm anxious to, to learn more about X company. And can we do you have 15, 20 minutes later for a quick call this week? And pretty quick, just send that off. And, and fortunately they responded right away. I think a big part of that was the speed to which I responded. Even today, you know, if you can get a response back to them while they're still on the website or while you're still top of mind, uh, number one, it's great customer experience for them and they can quickly schedule. So uh, I think one thing I'm learning later now that I've been doing this for a little bit, is that most folks are anxious to meet with you, especially if they request a demo form. They want to meet with you uh, probably quicker than I'm able to meet with them right now. And so that was the response back. And then once he responded, I just sent over a few times. And then as soon as he gave me a time, I booked it first on the calendar, sent an email back to him and then asked him, who else do we need to invite on the call? Or who else do you think would benefit from being on this call? which was a good way to start maybe multi-threading. And, and he did, in fact, bring over his VP of IT. So started with the VP of marketing, and then we had both of them on the call. Being quick to respond, that can be really powerful too, because when inbounds come in, you have no idea where they are in this buying cycle, right? They could be like towards the end of we're about to purchase this tool, but we're going to check with funnel just so we can check the other boxes and say we did due diligence, you know, and if you're not fast to respond, you know, maybe they talk themselves out of it. You just have no idea where they are. So being quick is really important. You've get, you've nailed down discovery. You send sometimes I like the process and doing that. It's like you do it as fast as you can, like get it on the calendar as fast as you can. And then you revert to who else can we bring to this as compared to being like, who else should we bring? And you're still fighting for time. So the way you did that, I actually, I'm going to start doing that because I don't do that today, but let's get the time first, then worry about the people. So now you've got discovery. What did it, what did it look like? You've mentioned gap selling. So I'm really intrigued in trying to understand like what you learned in your discovery process. So I just finished gap selling and I was reading a ton of books. I had finished challenger sale and spin selling. And, and, and at this time I was finishing gap selling. And really I just was trying to figure out in the discovery, my biggest objective is what is their gap? What are they, what is the gap between where they are today and where do they want to be? Uh, my VP of sales, some good counsel he gave me was, he said, always answer a question with a question so you can continue to continue to dig layers deeper. And uh, that was that was challenging for me. That was uh, something that I personally had to get better at. And so in discovery, we learned that their on-site teams, their leasing teams, weren't putting leads into their CRM until they were close to, to leasing or until they were sure to lease. So it wouldn't affect their conversion numbers which from a marketing perspective was like, we're spending all this money and it's not being tracked appropriately to bring leads in. Secondly, they, what I found out in discovery was 
uh, one of their biggest pains is that they are a higher end multifamily property. So they have A-class properties. Think of all the cool amenities that, that you have and having access to those things. So you pay a higher premium. Your rent is a little bit higher, but you also need the staff to match that quality. And that was the gap they were trying to fill. And so that was kind of the overarching theme. Now they needed the tools in place to do that. And that's where we, that's where they were interested in funnel and where we could, could step in. So uh, my discovery was also throughout the entire process, especially through the demo phase, there were things that came up later about their technology that they could consolidate their technology, which gave greater value to our value proposition and why it was important for them. So discovery was a step-by-step process for me. And because I just finished gap selling, I put together a lucid chart that had the different stages or phases of gap selling and just re-listened to calls and filled this chart out so that it was very clear to me. And I could tell the story back to them as well as paint the picture of this is what you're hoping to have. Here's how we can get there. Man, I'm a huge gap selling fan as well. And just as you're talking, I pulled out my calculator. Um, I also sold property management. So I have a little bit more insider knowledge here. But when you say a CRM is not hitting or a lead is not hitting the CRM until, you know, they want higher conversion rates. Imagine a sales rep doing that with a deal, you know, like putting no information. And then all of a sudden, boom, like, Hey, just so you know, I close, you know, this $10,000 deal, I close this $12,000 deal. Well, you have someone who wants to rent and rent is like 1800 bucks. It's an annual contract, right? 12 months. Well, that's $21,000 that the company now doesn't know that they have or don't have because you're just like withholding that. And now imagine doing that across, you know, 15 leads in a month. It can be hard. Like the forecasting can be crazy. I'm like finding the gap myself here because this <laughs> is, it's, it's fun to talk about. It's really unique to understand. And it, it makes it easy to find and see like, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. And this is the huge chunk that is missing in the middle. And uh, props to you building a lucid chart to find all those broken links. Well, well, thanks. That's kind of you, Junior. I think the other thing is like, it, it was exciting. Um, it was exciting to put their gap and their pain down for me. And I like, I'm a big, being a coach and being a former player, I like to strategize and think through things. And once I put it down on paper, it like, I could see it through a different lens. I, I could visualize this is their gaps. And the other thing I did is when I heard them say it, and since I listened to the calls a couple of times, I started to put their initials by it. And I was like, this is what's really important to this stakeholder. And this is what's really important to this stakeholder. And although they were different, it still was under the theme of how do we improve this customer experience? For me, it was very easy to pinpoint how we're going to drive this deal forward and where we need to focus on for the next phase, um, for the demo phase and keep them interested and engaged. So you mentioned total, there was about 14 meetings, correct? Yeah. Probably, you know, a good... Half of those were discovery conversations, but as we are going to discuss here, there a few of these are going to be demos and where you're actually showing, here's how we plan to solve this problem. Or here's how we plan to, how do we widen that gap and then become the solution to that as we talked about. And I imagine when you're reading gap selling during this deal, it's probably interesting. You can probably tell what chapter you're on based on uh, the types of conversations <laughs> you're having um, and how you're, how you're improvising from that point. But when it comes to the demos, you know, how did you keep it personalized and focused? But at the same time, how did you continue to widen that gap and really 
drill down on the impacts and then ultimately fill yourself in as the kind of that future state as uh, as Keenan always talks about that you can help them get to. So first of all, we have we have SCs that run the demos. And so we had a really ex- experienced solutions engineer run the demo. So I would kick off the meeting and then hand off. And it was my job then to dig in when they ask questions. It's my job then to not necessarily give them the answer because we don't really know what they're asking for, the reason behind the ask, uh, especially around technology. It's, well, how do you want it to work? And, and how do you do it today? And is that your preferred method and why? And who does that impact? So it was my job to, to do that. And I didn't do a very good job at the beginning. And so we had to do a lot of demos. I think we did six or seven demos with them. The later we got, probably demo three, I really started to understand it clicked for me that we needed to tailor very specifically the demo to this is how we solve your pain. This is how we get you to this desired outcome. And these are the steps we need to take. So the first one or two demos was very high level overview of what our software can do for you, which in retrospect, we should have kind of done it the other way where this is how we solve the problem uh, initially, give them the good stuff first. Uh, fortunately, they hung on and, and stayed with me for the for that while. But uh, I remember asking them on a demo just about timeline. And so there was the initial discovery uh, as well. And and why why then? But once it once it clicked for me and we started to get really engaged on their pain, what got them excited was the outcome, the desired outcome. And I realized I wasn't selling technology. I am selling their desired state. And that was kind of an aha moment for me. And I took a much more active role in the demo preparation. Uh, One thing that we did is we always have like these pre-demo syncs. And I shared with my SC, here's, here's the gap analysis that I put together. Here are the areas that I think we need to key in on. I would get his feedback. He would say, hey, we don't really show that super well. Let's think of a different way to to illustrate this, whatever it was. But we would go into those meetings pretty well prepared uh, for me because it was like the only deal that I had working at the time. I could spend a little bit more time on it. And that allowed me to be a lot more detailed. Josh, early on, right when we started talking, you mentioned what is their story, right? As you're doing research, you're looking at the mission, the the values, the culture of the company. You're trying to like uncover the entire story of this organization. And typically in property management, when a company, you know, when the founder hands the company down to their daughter or son, it starts to become a legacy property management company. It's like legacy meaning within the family. And so I think here in particular, there is, it's more than just like numbers and figures, but it's like what they're trying to build for the next generation. And you had mentioned, you know, there's like a story behind here that you are trying to capitalize. So I'm very curious, technology aside, how did Funnel impact, you know, their their mission, their value, the cultures that they believe in, and the story that they were trying to create? It's a great question, Junior. Uh, so one thing I learned early on from them is that they they are very much planning ahead like 20 years. So they will buy land today that they won't really develop for 15 to 20 years. And they start doing plans and it's all projected on demographics and growth in the cities. So for me, it was interesting that they themselves are so forward thinking. That was also a key that they could be an early adopter to funnel as well. And so that helped me understand where they came from. And it was less about cost and price 
It was more about, will this help us provide a better customer experience? And when you talk about legacy, I mean, this has been in the family for quite some time and they are multifamily through and through. So what was what was really, I think, key for me is once we were able to get to a point where, hey, funnel is going to be, we were funnel selected, if you will, then it was about the impact they were going to have. And what was this desired state going to give them? Now they've been on the platform for over a year and we're talking about product add-ons. And really the impact I see is the legacy in their customer experience. We help them provide the A-class experience that they were hoping and desired for a year ago, which their previous provider couldn't help them. Um, actually, I was able to go visit them in June, so a couple of months ago. And some of their some of their metrics, some of the data points that they learned was about their customer journey. And one of them is, you know, if I go look at this property, one out of five will rent at another property. So they're focused on cross-selling and how can I keep them within our portfolio? So 20% of their renters today started their journey at a different property than where they live today. And we're help, we were able to help them get number one, get that data point, but get that insight and understand their customers. I love the, you know, building out 15, 20 years from now, I've got a five-year-old boy, so he'd be 25, you know, almost 30. And I'd be like, all right, this property is yours. Figure this thing out, right? You're going to college for, I don't know, not the school of hard knocks, but the school of property <laughs> management. I love that. It's the great conversation so far, but no deal. I mean, maybe some have no bumps, but there's got to be something that was like, I am worried about this. I fear this. What, what were the barriers here? Yeah, I think early on, once I asked about timeline, I was pretty bummed to hear, hey, this is a 2022 initiative. And when you're, you know, in Q2, you're thinking, man, this isn't going to help me, but I'm investing so much time. So, so that was the first kind of hurdle that I kind of almost had to ignore because if I had focused on that, I don't think I would have stayed as engaged in the deal. And then towards the end, as we're trying to get to proposal stage or past proposal stage, we needed to get approval and buy-in from the C-suite, from the executive team. And they wanted to have uh, a demo. So uh, a, a live presentation with probably eight to 10 people. And number one, trying to trying to get on the schedule of executives for that many is, is near impossible. You, you're scheduling a month out. Uh, to do that. And I remember we had to reschedule a few times because it didn't work for one of the members. The biggest challenge about that was twofold. Number one is that how do you cram 12 previous meetings into one single hour? All the content, everything that we discussed from, from discovery through all the demos, and uh, you just can't, there's just not enough time. And then secondly, this felt very much like the pivotal moment. They're going to say yes, and we move forward, and it'll be the greatest day of my life, or no, we're done. Thanks for your time. So I didn't like feeling all that pressure. It was overwhelming. It was daunting. It was hard not to go in that meeting without nerves. And so we did the best we could to prepare. And as expected, the hour was not long enough. What we decided to do is just tell the story. This is what we've done with your team previously. These are your pain points. This is how we solve it. Uh, this is your end state. And this, and then this is how we solve it. But lots of questions came up and they asked a lot more questions than what we anticipated. And then we were just kind of left with, okay, we'll get back to you. And no salesperson ever wants to hear that uh, <laughs> as you get off the call. And so it was, it was unsettling. I, I reached out the following week 
I gave them some time and I just reached out and I said, look, we've had this meeting. I haven't received any feedback. We'd love to know where you're at. Uh, what was the feedback? What were some of the takeaways? Can we jump on a call? It might be easier to talk um, rather than go through email. And fortunately, he jumped on a call with me and was able to, to share some good news that, that they would like to go forward. We need to move over with getting contract. And anyway, it was it was great. He kind of asked for next steps. That was a major hurdle. And I haven't had that happen since. What I would have preferred is to bring those folks in earlier. And I could have done a better job asking, you know, who's the final decision maker? And I wouldn't ask it that way, but I would get to that. Hey, who is going to influence this decision from the top? And I should have asked who on your C-suite team needs to see this or would like to see this or would this impact? So huge takeaway from me is how could I get them in earlier? So it didn't all depend like on this one single meeting. Before we wrap up here on that point, I love that you can recognize like what would have been better and the moments it would have created. I think, and I've heard other salespeople say this, so I'm pretty confident in saying this. This isn't just a junior thing, but closing is not just a single moment. It's not like the final meeting. Closing is a culmination of the entire process. So if you do find yourself in a meeting like this, where you walk away and you're like, well, all, you know, all the eggs are out and we'll see what they say. I would also be uncomfortable. Like you should be uncomfortable if you get to that moment. So figure out like, the, the closing is a culmination of events. It's like a marriage. By the time you propose, you should know where you stand. Just keep that in mind moving forward. And Josh, the fact that you decided in that, not probably necessarily in that moment, but decided before that big meeting to focus on the story and not just the feature dump, right? Like, here's what we do. Here's what we offer. Here's how it'll help. Because that falls on deaf ears, if especially if they haven't been in every the other 13, 14 meetings that you had. So that was an awesome way to put all that in, like Junior said, into a, a grand sweeping culmination of events and just say, here's where you guys are at. Here's where you need to go. Here's how we can help you get there. Let's wrap this thing up. Josh, what are three things that you learned either through this deal or just over the past you know, 20, 21 months uh, since, since that deal uh, that you've learned and then ultimately can provide some tips uh, to sales pros listening today? Yeah, the first one I'd share is answering a question with a question. That has served me well so many times to, to really understand what they're asking. The second one I'd share is set the next meeting on the call with them. So I should have said, hey, especially on the end of that call, hey, so-and-so, I'm going to follow up with you in a week and give you time to meet internally. And then does this time work? But I had a early on in my uh, career um, like three months in, I got my first discovery call. It was awesome. It was great. And I thought we were in alignment at the end of the call. We said, it sounds like the next step would be a demo. And they said, yeah, absolutely. Let's get some time on the books. I said, I'll send you an email. He said, great. We got off the call and I never hear from him again. I called him, I texted him, I emailed him, I LinkedIn him, I tried everything and I never heard back from him. And I decided I will never get off a meeting without uh, a calendar time. Um, that I'll send over after. So set the meeting on the call. And then the last one, and I learned in this first deal that we we're talking about is have a clear objective of the next step. Even if that, that can change on the call based of what happens on the call, but be prepared and be malleable, but have that next step so that you're not just having another call. And I think it's important to help drive the, the deal forward and decrease 
the length of the sales cycle, if you can outline and clearly articulate what the next step is for both sides. Josh, those are great tips. Amazing chatting with you, having you on the podcast. Former teammate, you know, maybe a future colleague. That'd be great. We got to find a way to work together. Going from coach, coach status to, you know, sales rep, it, it's a, a different field and you've learned it quick. You're doing great stuff and amazing deal that you walked us through. Thanks for uh, joining us on the pod. Thanks for having me. And just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks again, Josh, for joining us and sharing a heck of a ride, an awesome story. Um, and we're excited to continue these conversations and hopefully deliver some more value uh, to all you full cycle account executives or people that are aspiring to get into this role in the future. Until then, we will see you next time.